What's up, guys? Welcome back to Sit Down with Sit podcast. This is episode number 30. Our guest today is a corporate executive turned social entrepreneur who founded the RV Learning Foundation in 2019, which is a nonprofit organization that provides necessary skills and know-how as well as counseling to women, which would make them financially independent, educate the underprivileged children, and employability skills of the youth. That being said, all the way from India, let me present to you all Ms. Rohini Vaishnavi. Hello, ma'am. How are you doing? Hi, Sid. I'm doing very well. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for uh, being a guest on our podcast. Um, we really appreciate that, you know. Uh, it's a pleasure. So, awesome. So, so Ms. Rohini, before we dive into the podcast, would you mind unpacking to our audience a little bit about yourself and your background? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I was born in... Uh, Kashmir in the state of JNK in India and I completed my schooling there and one day we had to leave our home suddenly unplanned carrying a suitcase each in our hands and um, we thought that we would be back in a month or so when the violence is somewhat muffled but uh, we kept on waiting month after month and then year after the year and we never returned back it's been 32 years so once i left srinagar i pursued my graduation in the science mathematics in uh, jammu mm -hmm. we had a tough time initially and uh, to cut the long story short i moved to delhi started working there in the corporate sector and few years after having worked I joined an international MBA program in Belgium. And I funded my education through a bank loan and a scholarship. And after coming back, I worked again in the corporate sector in sales and marketing. And um, I was into this field for, I would say, almost 15 years or more. And uh, I handled international markets and traveled places. And uh, finally, I moved into teaching. I taught in some of the universities in India. I used to teach marketing subjects. And after that, I decided to be on my own. And that's when I founded RV Learning Foundation. And you told the audience about what we do. Perfect. So since we, we spoke about the RV Learning Foundation, I want to go right into it. Uh, so let me ask you one thing. What inspired you? for a move from the corporate world to being an entrepreneur and coming up with a nonprofit organization uh, that is for such a good cause? Well, uh, my career, uh, you know, as uh, you know, it involved sales and marketing and being in this field, then there are certain life stages we go through. I became a mother, then I quit for some time and then you know, there was a struggle in coming back to work. So I faced a lot of challenges myself. Um, I came across all types of people, those who hired me without being bothered about what life stage I was at and the personal challenges that, you know, it comes with. And I also came across uh, people who tried to take advantage of the fact that I was on a sabbatical, um, you know, after becoming a mother and they tried to make me feel guilty also about it many times so that you know they could negotiate a lesser salary and uh, there were also some 
who thought poorly about me because I was looking for work and not choosing to stay at home. And uh, so, but eventually I did come back to work. You know, I worked for, for a company and that too on my own terms, but it was very tough. So I, I started, I, I continued to work for some time and then, you know, there were some other work-life balance issues. I gave up, then I became a freelancer. And ultimately I thought that it's good if I be on my own. And now why, um, you know, becoming a social entrepreneur, why working in the area of uh, women entrepreneurship? As I told you that I myself went through a lot of, uh, you know, challenges. Uh, so I, I, and I feel for this, you know, there are millions of women who face such a situation. And there are others who, after taking a long break from work outside home, they're totally lost when they want to come back. And that's the stage when their kids are on their own and now they are trying to discover themselves. So I had a very strong desire to support and guide such women. And then I also uh, added the uh, one more vertical to it, which was about the education of the underprivileged. And for this, my inspiration was my grandfather, uh, because he, he was, uh, I, I instituted a scholarship in his name. He was a very great man. He was a social worker. He selflessly served people. And he had a major contribution towards providing education to the students who were forcefully displaced from Kashmir on account of terrorism. So I instituted this scholarship in his name, Amarnath Vashnavi Scholarship. So, uh, that was Great. broadly my motivation behind what Great. I do. So um, I have a question. So from your point of view, what do you think are some of the big, biggest challenges women face in the corporate world, being in a corporate world yourself for so long? Mm -hmm. See, the challenge is that workplaces are not designed to accommodate women at various life stages. Now, what I mean by that is, a young lady about to be married or a married woman about to become a mother or a woman who is coming back from maternity. These are the life stages I'm talking about. Organizations fear that a young lady may move to a different state post-marriage, so don't hire her. And uh, if a woman is pregnant, don't hire her. And anyone who comes back from a sabbatical negotiate a lesser salary with her on the pretext of her being away from work. So in a way, she is penalized for nurturing and creating life. Women also face discrimination when it comes to the salaries they are paid. They're paid lesser than men for same roles and lesser women move up the hierarchy to occupy the top level positions. They're not promoted. Women who become entrepreneurs are also taken less seriously by investors compared to the men. Fundraising, I would say, is not impossible, but it's very tough. So in a nutshell, women have to really prove themselves much more for the same output compared to men. Very well said. So let me ask you, Ms. Roini, I want to talk about women empowerment, you know. What is your philosophy on women empowerment 
and why do you think it is so important uh, for them? See, um, empowerment to me means that you are living a life of dignity and you are capable of taking decisions, whether it's in the personal uh, life or in the professional life, and your opinions are valued. Now, empowering women is important more because women nurture the basic unit of a society, which we call a family. There is a famous shloka by Manu, which says, Yatra pujyante nariyaha, tatra ramante devataha, which means that wherever women are treated with dignity and respect, those are the places where devta, the godly men, they reside. And this is quite significant because when a woman looks after the family with a happy face, looks after kids, with a happy face, with a happy heart, feeling empowered, being treated with dignity and being able to take decisions in the family, it brings positive energy into the family. And this is the happiness which becomes a source of motivation for everyone in the family, especially the children. Children learn those things more which they observe and not those which they are taught. So for a child, mother is someone who nurtures them to become adults. Mother is basically a source of their existence which must be very much rooted, stable, comfortable, dignified. And when a child sees his mother or her mother being disrespected to those young minds, it's, it's shocking. They wonder why in spite of being a major actor in life, does a human not get credit for that? And this is where their value system gets formed in the society during the early stages of life. Value system about what is good and what is bad. The rewards for actions determine the behavior of the society as a whole. Therefore, anyone, anyone irrespective of gender who makes great contribution to make others' lives better should be rewarded accordingly because this serves as a reinforcement for a positive behavior, which children observe. And that makes them good human beings and that makes our society good. So that I think is a primary reason, but otherwise educated women also understand the value of education. And hence the, they encourage children to be educated. They support the education of their children. And this brings society out of the vicious circle of poverty because poverty leads to lack of education, lack of education again leads to poverty. So that's the reason I think that women have to be empowered. That's a great point, but I wanna ask you one thing. In a culture uh, where a man is more of the dominant species, for to say, don't you think it's very challenging for women to raise their voice, opinion, and, you know, this society stigma, you know, woman is the secondary, man is the primary, you know, which I do not agree to. Uh, and I wish that should not be the case all across the globe. But, but what challenges do they face? How do you overcome those challenges, the culture, the society, the stigma, you know? Well, I would say that patriarchy 
exists in the world you know whenever there is a moment of truth say out of two people man or a woman one has to quit the job to take care of home children it's always the women who does who who do it however open minded a man may be however a man might respect a woman's uh, you know uh, desire to be financially independent or you know be the main bread earner of the family even those men cannot really withstand the pressure of patriarchy so let me tell you that because there is a stigma in a man sitting at home and women going out and working so however open minded you said that you don't mind it but then i have known men who are really open minded about it but when it comes to this this i call is the moment of truth so through this i'm trying to tell you the gravity of the situation that however men and women might think that there is an equality but the moment of truth decides it all because it is so much deep rooted in our culture you know the man being a, a hunter and women being a gatherer it is so deep rooted that it becomes difficult to come out of that and yes it's a problem it's a challenge but the thing is that see when we talk about a family when we talk about life in general one person or the other has to make a sacrifice someone has to do it and currently it happens to be a woman i mean there's nothing wrong in taking a break from work and taking care of family i mean it, it's some it's the noblest of the things that you can do but the question is can it be shared equally that's the question and that's not so easy to happen i also know of cases where you know in the educated lot people do share responsibilities equally and all that also happens but in the lower strata of the society especially in india if you consider the women who are in the lower strata they also work very hard they work as laborers they work as uh, household maids so in a way they are also um, you know contributing towards the uh, finances for the home but now what do you say to that but okay they may not have so much of uh, you know power when it comes to the decision making in the family so yeah there are challenges there is patriarchy and that's how it is yeah that's actually very well said you know uh, because once again it is you know it is something that has been for ages yes there has been some changes especially in the western cultures you know but still on the back of the mind or the society stigma as i mentioned you know a woman is kind of suppressed you know of their financial independence and and personally i feel a man or a woman anyone in the world should be financially independent you know to make their own decisions which gives them empowerment so sure i want to talk about your your uh organization the rv learning foundation um could you break us could you like help us elaborate more on the uh employability skills like how do you 
what kind of strategies do you guys implement in order to make sure a woman is being able to have employment in a corporate world? See, what our organization does is that when women are out of work arena for a very long time, it becomes difficult for them to connect with the world outside. You know, they've been out for a long time. The skills change. A lot of things change. So we bridge that gap and we make them aware of various options which are available where they can invest their time and energy to pursue as a career. And we also impart essential new age skills. Say so we, we teach them about finance. We teach them about marketing, um, digital marketing and uh, um, scalability of the business, many other things. And we also conduct confidence building sessions. We guide them right from the, basically we try and work more with the women who are aspiring to be entrepreneurs or who mm -hmm. are already, you know, who've started something of their own. So we guide them right from ideation of a business idea to pitching for funds and scaling up their business. And our focus is also on getting them on, um, guiding them on how to market their products and services, because that's an area where, you know, uh, they, they find it challenging having come back um, into the work arena after such a long time when so much has changed over a period of time when they had left, stopped working. And we also um, disseminate information about various initiatives that government has undertaken under uh, the uh, Women Entrepreneurship Platform, WEP, NITI-IO, and Startup India. And we also guide them about the funding options which are made available by the government and other sources. Mm -hmm. Because lack of information many a times leads to not availing various benefits which have been made available by the government for entrepreneurial pursuits. So let me ask you, how challenging is it for you guys to work with your families, especially who are reluctant? To work with families? Yeah, for example, you know, as you said, you know, you are trying to help these upcoming young women, you know, have hmm. a place in the corporate world, educating them, you know, giving right. them all these opportunities. Do you face any challenges working with their family in the beginning who are like, you know what, we don't want this, but we can give it a try. Like, I'm sure you must come through some obstacles. Yeah, see, actually, we... Uh, cater to women who mm -hmm. are willing to come back so these are the women who themselves want to do something so we are working with uh, educated lot who have given up working at some point in time in their life but now they want to come back because there is an emptiness now children are all grown up so th they are mostly willing to do it uh, so in terms of if you're asking me uh, convincing them to do things, yes, you know, there is no is. challenge because because we are catering to that lot who is already wanting to do something. Got it. So I, I want to talk about uh, women and its impact on the economical growth. I just want to share this number with you. India's female labor force participation rate is amongst the lowest in the world at 26% and has declined significantly over the last two decades. Now, could you tell me, like, why do you think a woman's inclusion is important from an economical point of view for a country's growth? Uh, 
based even I mean these numbers are uh, pretty like you know mind-boggling too yeah see it's important to understand that when we talk about the financial inclusion of women we're not really doing a favor to individual women we are trying to make a huge contribution to the GDP of the country mm-hmm. if you look at it from the point of view of pure economics imagine how much money is spent on I'm talking about the educated lot here, okay? Mm-hmm. So how much money is spent on the education of women? Mm-hmm. And how many of these educated women contribute proportionately to the economy vis-a-vis the resources that have been spent on them? Mm-hmm. So doesn't it make sense for the country as a whole to make workplaces more accommodative towards, mm-hmm. as I said, the various life stages of women. Do organizations not benefit from diversity? Does the country not benefit from the growth which is brought about by the entrepreneurial pursuits of the women? Mm-hmm. See, development is all about harnessing the available resources to the fullest potential, right? So though women make a huge contribution indirectly by looking after the household, which also mm-hmm. um, supports the value creation in the society because stable and well-managed home is essential for performing the economic pursuits. But they can additionally also add value to the economy through revenue-generating activities. I, I mean, I was reading some figures recently and it says that uh, if the women in India, they contribute fully towards the, you know, there's a financial inclusion and they contribute fully towards the GDP growth of the country. Mm-hmm. Our GDP by 2025 can actually grow 25%. Oh, wow. So um, what's the harm? Why not, uh, uh, you know, have women into the mainstream economy? That's a really high number. 25% GDP yeah. growth. I mean, it increases by 25%. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. It increases by 25%. Yeah. But still, yes. that's that's a pretty it's, high it's number. It's a big number. Yeah, it's a big number. You know, I, I also read some stats. It was published by UN, you know, and they say that when more women work, economies grow, you know. And I mean, these are the stats. Once again, they have done research studies, you know, so... Uh, these are the scientific stats, and I completely understand where you're coming from um, in terms of a woman's participation in the economy, you know, being so important. Uh, I want to ask you a couple of other things. Uh, you recently edited and published a book, The Chronicles of Kashmir, which is a biography of veteran Kashmiri Pandit leader Amar Nath Vaishnavi. Can you tell us more about this endeavor and just a brief synopsis what this book is about? The Chronicles of Kashmir, as you rightly said, is the biography of Pandit Amarnath Vaishnavi, who was a, who he was a social worker who worked for seven decades, starting 1945. So he worked in Kashmir from 1945 to 1990. Mm-hmm. And from 1990 to 2012, he worked in the Jammu area. Now, he worked at the grassroots in Kashmir. And Kashmir has always been, uh, you know, a place which was sensitive, even at the time of uh, its integration with India. 
So it had its own uh, issues. And he worked very closely with Kashmiri Pandit community. He used to go on foot in the cold uh, winters and meet people to find out their problems. And at the same time, he was also, uh, he was also close to the top uh, bureaucracy and -hmm. people who were in the places of power. And he was a conduit between the two, which means that he would discuss the problems with the various prime ministers, Mm -hmm. uh, presidents of, of the country, So he had an exposure, he had a political exposure and he led various mass movements himself. Having worked for seven decades, this book chronicles many events which are historic in nature, movements like Praja Parishad movement, the Kashmiri Pandit agitation of 1967, and then the mass exodus of Kashmiri Pandits in 1990 from Kashmir Valley. And this is the first book that is documenting the journey of Kashmiri Pandits after 1990, all the major political and social events that have happened. So that's the reason why this book is important because it talks about the past um, heritage of Kashmir and the place that Kashmiri Pandits had in Kashmir and then their journey till 1990. It also highlights some of the reasons which slowly built up 1990, which was the peak of terrorism when um, almost 4 lakh Kashmiri Pandits had to leave the valley. So it's it's a book which comes from the real life experiences of Amarnath Vaishnavi. As I said, he worked for seven decades and uh, brings uh, gives a different perspective on Kashmir problem. Well, you know, it's I actually have ordered my copy and I, I can't wait to read it and share oh, my feed, feedback with you. Uh, you know, because once again, you know, where you come from, I think the history of that place is should be very personal and important to one well-being, you know. Uh, so I look forward to reading that. Let me ask you, what makes Rohini Vashnavi empowered as a woman? Uh, to me, being empowered is to be able to make a positive difference to the world that we live in. But there are some prerequisites for us to be empowered in the absence of which we cannot make a difference in the other people's lives. And these are very small things, you know, uh, very simple and seemingly small such as I would say, uh, being able to sleep in a warm bed in a cold night, because I know that there are many people who are constantly caught up in managing their basic needs and therefore they can never move up the thinking ladder. So that's important. Being useful to others also makes me feel empowered. It's something as simple as looking after family and friends so that my existence adds value to their life. Adding value to the lives of women and children whom my organization supports makes me feel empowered. And being a woman, if my views are valued and I'm a part of the decision-making in personal and professional life, that empowers me because I know that this is something that 
women cannot take for granted. You know, I, I, I love your attitude, how, how passionate you are, how inspiring you are. And on top of that, the best part is you are humble in your approach, which is very hard to find. <laughs> and Thank you. you you always have a smile on your face. And I think that is very attractive uh, and positive, reflects very positive Thank vibes. You. You know. uh, the last question, you know, uh, as a closing statement, if there was any message you would like to give to our audience watching this podcast, uh, please take it away. Um, well, I think that, uh, you know, people uh, love listening to these kind of discussions because they want to learn from other people's experiences and uh, we all do that. So I would say that there is much more to life than we know about it. At any stage in our life, we don't have access to all the knowledge that exists. When we make plans for life, they are bound by the limits of our knowledge. So Steve Jobs rightly said, we can connect the dots while looking backward, but while going forward, we should trust our intuitions and follow our heart. That's all I would say. Love it. Well, Ms. Uh, Roni, I want to thank you very much for uh, letting us give this opportunity to have you as our guest. And, uh, you know, we look forward to speaking with you again in the near future. And, uh, you know, we are, we are very grateful that we had this opportunity to have you. Thank you, Sid. It was a great opportunity for me to be here and uh, um, talk about all this to the audience. Thank you for inviting me here. It's an honor. Thank you. No problem. Thank you. You have a good night. Thank you. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.